0: Hey, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bailey Bookish Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about The Great Gatsby with one of my friends, Jessica. Um, Today, we're only covering actually chapter one, but we bring up a lot of great topics. And I think, honestly, you'll see why this ends up being a full episode on just one chapter. Um, But it's a lot of fun. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this book. I say that about all of them, most of the books that I end up covering, just because I actually really enjoy them. But I didn't think The Great Gatsby is one that's super accessible because it's kind of easy to read. It's a classic that isn't like you're not like bogged down by the language in it in my opinion, but I think you guys will really enjoy it. Also, um some exciting news. We got our first ever Patreon subscribers So, big shout out to L. Thank you so much for joining us over on Patreon. Um if you all want to get exclusive episodes, every month we do post one on patreon for the ten dollar tier so that's ten dollars a month and then you get an exclusive episode every single month Uh, this month we will be covering 1974 versus 2013 great gatsby so that's robert redford versus uh, leonardo DiCaprio's depictions of jay gatsby um i think those that episode's a whole lot of fun we're joined by nova and it's gonna be great so I hope you guys check that out if that's something that you're into and it also helps support the podcast so yeah if you want exclusive episodes uh, please go check those out but without further ado let's get into this episode Hello, everybody. We are now reading The Great Gatsby, a fun, short, adorable. I don't know if adorable is the right (laughs) word. I'm just like, I'm just happy because it's like easy, you know, and I just I've gotten off of reading like I just finished Little Women, which was so, so long. It was
1: ridiculously
0: long. And now I'm like, oh, this is nice. So I'm like, oh, I can read this in the morning. Cool. Love that for me. So, okay, anyways, tangent aside, um, I am joined today by Jessica. Hi,
1: everyone. It's awesome to be on here. Rachel, thank you so much for um, inviting me. Uh, The Great Gatsby is one of those books that I've read a bunch of times. So it's really exciting to have an opportunity to talk about it in a low-key way with someone who hasn't read it before. Um, So, yeah, thank you for having me
0: course and it's gonna be a lot of fun as someone who hasn't read it before to like hear people like hear you specifically who has read it before and especially like have more in-depth knowledge because as i'm going through it i'm just like i was as i texted you but as the listeners don't know i was so shook When I like started because I was like, why is this not from Gatsby's point of view? I'm like, who are we talking about? Like, I was reading it and I was like, okay, this is called The Great Gatsby. It's going to be about a man named Gatsby. And he's like, poor. And I'm like, okay, I've seen Leonardo DiCaprio in a mansion. Like, somehow we're going to get there, right? And then he's like, my name's Carraway. And I'm like, who's Carraway? Who are you? So then I was like writing it and I was like, narrator, man. It's not main character question mark.
1: Well, if that shook you, Rachel, I cannot even wait to get into the different chapters because I feel like there are quite uh, quite a few instances in this book that are shook worthy.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely! I was as I'm reading it, I'm just like, okay, there's a lot of things in here I did not expect, like. Again, coming off of like Jane Austen Little Women, I forgot that this is in the 20s. And I was like, oh, these women are just like allowed to go where they please. Like, that's different. That's nice. Like, love that for them. But also, like, where's your chaperone?
1: <laughs> I mean, as again, like, as we go through it, you'll see some places where there's some interesting levels of that and still that control of women but yeah definitely in comparison to something like little women where they're not allowed to go without you know at least one other sister with them you know someone touched my ungloved hand i am now sullied forever this is definitely a different type of story um and it's definitely a lot shorter and more Mm -hmm. concise and more compact i feel like some of those stories kind of get more towards the sweeping epic type Mm -hmm. stories like little women you probably have you know 15 little stories that make up that book and this has got it's got basically one story
0: yeah which is a
1: lot more uh, manageable
0: (laughs) plus like i feel like they cut out all the fluff and they're like here's what you need to know and he's like and one chapter he summarizes the entire summer and i was like cool i love that for us i was like thank you just like tell me what i need to know awesome and
1: that's up Scott Fitzgerald for you.
0: Yeah, I was like, we're going to get quick and down to the dirty. So awesome. we are starting chapter one. And we start off with our narrator reflecting on advice his dad gave him, which essentially says not to judge people because not everyone is as well off as you. And in that moment, I was like, okay, great Gatsby. He's loaded. This is totally the point, you know, he's like, okay, we're going to be grounded, a nice dude. And then my next note is, is the narrator not our main character? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, and, so, yeah, that that definitely, if you didn't know, would be quite a shock.
0: <laughs> I know. I was like, huh, who are you? And then they say, oh, his last name's Caraway," And after the Great War, he went into the Bond business. I'm like, I don't know anything about the Bond business. But I'm like, that doesn't seem like a fun job. I don't know what it entails, but, like, is it war I, bonds?
1: I, I think it's like stocks and bonds. Um, You know, I haven't done a lot of research on that aspect of it, but there are definitely people who have delved way more into that than they could probably, than we would possibly interested True. in um, in regards to this book. But I think it's um like, you know, stocks and bonds. So probably, you know, working on Wall Street, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, a good way for a middle-class kid who was good with numbers to make his way in the world um, and I think that they bring that up because it's like a respected profession you know mm-hmm. so there's a lot of kind of shady dealings that spoiler alert we'll see in the rest of the book but that's a respectable kind of um, position that you can have so
0: yeah it sort of like hints at the shadier parts we'll get there but like I was yeah. like, hmm, <laughs> okay yeah. so again you know coming off of Jane Austen a lot. Um they said that he's out east. And I was like, where is this located? And then I was like, maybe East Coast, like he's in the States. And then yeah. yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I first when I first read it, I had to reread that section a few times to kind of figure out where he was. But yeah, so they're kind of on these little islands off of Long Island, um, mm-hmm. West Egg and East Egg. And um, yeah, just kind of the proximity to New York City. But when I first read it, I thought to myself, like the East, is he making some kind of allusion to going to, um, you know, like Asia or something like mm-hmm. going the Oh no, he's just talking about going to New York City. All right. got it.
0: I know. It. I was like, oh, a world traveler. And I was like, <laughs> just kidding. No. <laughs> exactly.
1: But I mean, if you think about it, like, in this time period, for a kid who grew up in, you know, I'm assuming a city near Chicago, Mm -hmm. like, that's a big change to have to get up and move your whole life somewhere else. And probably seen as one of the ways for him to, you know, raise his stature Mm -hmm. and either bring those skills back home after his year, his year in the East, quote unquote, or maybe set up his his life there. So
0: yeah yeah. I don't know anything about New York so like I kind of forgot that Long Island is like that close to New York City and he's like oh it's just like a drive over and I'm like wait a second like these yeah. are different places I was like I don't but I don't know where anything is in that yeah, and, area
1: and I feel like you know obviously like this is set in the 1920s um the the traffic would be a lot different the, yeah the ways that people would get to and fro would be a lot different um but it's yeah it's a reasonable distance I would say for them to travel for him to commute and I think that the reader when this book came out um would be that would make sense to them
0: yeah I feel like that was like general knowledge but like as I only went to New York one single time in my entire life I'm like I've never seen Long Island like the only thing I know about Long Island is the Long Island medium and that's it
1: (laughs) well (laughs) that's so funny um I think during this time period, lots of people had, um, you know, more well-to-do people, obviously, had homes that were in a you know, safer, um, more, you know, beautiful spread out locale. So, you know, like those barrier islands, and then they would travel into the city to do their work Mm -hmm. and make their fortune. Um, because obviously they can't build like a huge big mansion like Daisy and Tom and Gatsby all have in the middle of New York city. Um, so I think, and a lot of people would have also in this, in that upper echelon, probably, um, a home or a a base home base in the city. And then also this big palatial manse out in the middle of nowhere um, where they'd entertain and whatnot. So um, I think it's, it's not uncommon. I think if anything, the uncommon thing is the fact that Nick has is renting this house. That's like basically a shack (laughs) right between these mansions, which is funny though, because, you know, in Florida, if you go over, um, by the beach areas you'll sometimes Mm -hmm. like still see these little shacks Or like i'm not giving it up to the man um which i love i love to see it we love to see it
0: um so yeah just kind of cool to see that it's funny right below my house there's um this uh river which i will i'm not going to tell the listeners but i will tell you personally um later uh (laughs) that it's like they're building all these big restaurants right on it. And then there's like really small, tiny houses that are yeah, still forever. Yeah. And it's just like something about that. I'm like, yeah, you hold out like, yeah, state. <laughs> exactly. Don't exactly. give it to your kid that wants to sell it and become a real estate mogul though. Like give Absolutely. it to the other one.
1: Absolutely. Um, so what did you think of Nick when you realized that he was the narrator and it wasn't Gatsby? I guess.
0: Well, I, so Really or
1: am
0: I sure. jumping the gun here? <laughs> it's a little bit, but it's okay. Like, I'll talk more about him at the very end. But, like, okay. when we first started, I'm just, I had no idea who this guy was because I literally have only seen maybe a clip or two of the movie. Like, I've seen one clip of Leonardo DiCaprio jumping in a pool. And another clip of Leonardo DiCaprio walking around on grass. And that's all I know about the movie. So I'm like, who is this man? Like, is it one of those things where it's just like he is like the narrator standing there, but like he's kind of a ghost? But I was like, is he actually related to this plot at all? Like, does he know great? Or like, does he know Gatsby? Does he like hide in corners like I was like who is this guy like I have no idea yeah I didn't because I knew Daisy was important I knew Gatsby wasn't important and I knew no other characters so I was like I what is this
1: well that's kind of you know in the cultural consciousness that's the, those are the people or the things that enter our thought because we're thinking about what the story is actually about mm-hmm. and it's interesting because in this first in this first um, chapter we get like a lot about Nick in his mm-hmm. background and whatever. And but when you hear about the Great Gatsby, when you're just chatting about with friends or like you see a meme, it's really not normally have anything to do with Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of interesting because like so full disclosure, I was an English literature major, so I mm-hmm. talked about this a lot, and I'm a librarian, so I think about this a lot, but um Nick as a narrator, he's he's kind of fulfills this, and we talked a little bit, I texted you a little bit about this, but like he fulfills this role that um, we think of as the reader's friend. So what that can mean is that he is this character that he see, he asks the questions that we want answered because he also doesn't know. He's an outsider to like the main action of the story. And so sometimes he'll ask things we want to know, or we didn't even know we wanted to know. And he kind of, has that same level that we as the reader have disbelief of what's going on or curiosity about what's going on, which I think is really cool. Um, so, and I would, I would say probably for a lot of people um, who are just casual readers of the book, his, the things that are strictly about him are less interesting to them than the things that he says about other people. Uh, so it is, it is interesting to have him introduced and kind of delve into who he is and see that he's kind of just like he seems to be like just regular guy you know yeah if you take it off chapter one it's like just regular guy trying to go around his life
0: honestly yeah. i was like just being introduced for him the first time i was like this dude seems pretty chill he seems pretty cool i was like right. I'm, I'm curious but i was like i was more curious because of the title of the book and knowing that <laughs> yes. jay gatsby exists i didn't even know his first name i'll be honest but like I was like, I need to know how we're all relating here. I'm like, I've just been thrown for a loop. I need a little bit more answers before I can (laughs) warm up to Nick. And certainly they are forthcoming. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. So um, this is kind of where we talk about Nick. We still don't know his name at this point, but he's (laughs) rather a lonely dude. And I was like, oh, sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is sad. But he gets, like, a really cheap house next to, like, a bougie place. But, you know, we'll get there.
1: He, he seems to be, like, the kind of guy who kind of, like,
0: makes random friends places. Mm-hmm. And he can
1: get along with a bunch of people. Like, yeah. with that, renting that rent, renting that house with the guy that he tangentially was going to know from work, you know. He's yeah. got to be kind of
0: a chill person to do something like that. Yeah, I feel like he's just super nice. And everyone's like, mm, I trust you with my life. And he's like, "Yeah." Oh. Okay. You do? Okay. (laughs) Thanks. That's really nice of you to say. Yes. And then my next note is, I really wish they would tell us this dude's name. Like, I was getting to the point I was like, are we never going to get to know? I was like, (laughs) we only know his last name. So, you know, reading, again, Jane Austen, we don't get to know most people's first names. So I was like, maybe we just never get to know. But then I was like, this is the 20s. I feel like people introduce themselves with their first name
1: maybe he's just
0: always known as caraway who knows i was like i don't like caraway like i'm gonna forget how to spell that like i need you to give me a different name like and then i was worried it was gonna be like some sort of super complicated first name and i was gonna be like oh now i gotta stick with caraway so they tell us that we live he lives in the west egg and i was like long island question mark Mm yep and he gets to live next door to Gatsby's mansion for $80 a month.
1: Right. And the, on the less, uh, what do they say? It's, it's the the less popular, less fancy, like it's the less sexy egg, if you will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Gatsby's yeah. just like, yeah, this is great for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I
1: think that that's, uh, you know, that's that's showing who Gatsby is and where his place in society is um that's (laughs) gerald
0: it's just funny to me every time they say east egg or west egg because i'm always like these words mean nothing to me but i'm just imagining like two eggs in a bowl of water and they're like i live on that one you know how like yeah like do you know anyone Yeah. yeah do you know anyone from michigan
1: Yes, yeah, so they're like um i'm put your hand
0: up okay yeah. i'm
1: right between the thumb and like in that little fleshy part that's where i'm from yeah yeah, yeah.
0: that's what i'm imagining is going on because i'm from michigan so we do that all the time so i'm imagining that's what's happening they just like pull two eggs out of their pocket and they're like oh i am from this part you know like
1: <laughs> yeah and you know what they might
0: (laughs) honestly it wouldn't surprise me just like casual boiled egg and they like unpack their lunch and like okay here's how to give you directions here's Uh these two eggs you go this way
1: and then they're like oh that part of the egg is so unfashionable (laughs) how could you possibly admit to being from that egg yeah
0: ridiculous. uh, oh my gosh i love the egg shade
1: yes well you know there has to have been some egg shade like well, I'm from the pointy part of the egg, and that's better because it's you know further away from all the rabble at the flat part of the egg. Like, I just would you be
0: willing to say that they're egotistical?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. i you willing to say that. Fantastic.
0: Gosh, I might edit that out, but it's funny. <laughs>
1: You
0: might want to keep it, <laughs> might wanna keep it just play that's gonna play over and over in my head from now on. <laughs> um, so the narrator is Daisy's cousin once removed, and i my note is I know Daisy's important, but Daisy is married to Tom Buchanan Buchanan Buchanan, okay. <laughs> I read things phonetically only, so like when I pronounce okay. them, I'm like, mm.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, then that you're thinking, I know Daisy's important, but she's married to Tom. What? Yeah, I was like, does hmm. <laughs> cats come into this. <laughs> yeah, I was like,
0: well, this is weird. This is taking a turn. I'm like, hmm, I wonder who, uh, why is Tom here?
1: Oh. Intrigue. <laughs> yeah, intrigue.
0: Intrigue. This entire book, small spoiler, is just about cheating on your wife, I feel like.
1: I mean... <laughs> In a lot of ways, it's definitely about that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like the first five chapters.
1: A lot of it is about honesty. It's about um, loyalty, subterfuge, but it's also about really like people's ability to be okay with who they really are Mm -hmm. and to handle their life how it really is. Um, and I think throughout the book, we see a lot of people either going with that flow or actively working against what that means. Um, and in some ways that includes not loving the one you're with, if you will. <laughs> um, so yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
0: As I was reading this, I was like, when does divorce become popular? Because I feel like some of these people yeah. need it.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of these people probably could have very much, um, benefited from some of the things we have in modern times, like marriage counseling, like not being forced to get married when you're 18 just because that's what you do. Like I don't know, being allowed to um, actively pursue the individuals of the gender that you wish to pursue. That could be something as we say that you go go along, you know, all these people could have really benefited from some of that. Um, and I think this story would be a lot different if some of those things had been allowed um
0: yeah for sure I always forget when I'm reading the classics that everyone's supposed to be straight Uh Uh and uh, they're like Catherine's living with her girlfriend and I removed the space in my head I was like oh cool and then I was like wait yeah in a in a hotel oh that's that's a couple of chapters in so we won't go there yet we'll we'll get there it's just funny to me because every time I'm like I read something, I always, you know, imagine that it's more inclusive than it is. And then I'm like, oh wait, never mind. I forget where we are.
1: you know, even in this first chapter, you see like people who are married to people that maybe you're not sure like why are they married to them, or people who have made decisions that are completely driven because of that's exactly what's expected of them, mm-hmm. and people who live sort of outside of that. Realm, I don't know. They you can tell a lot that they live outside of that realm, you know. So um again, do you want me to like do you want me to go forward and say something that I noticed in the chapter or do you want to keep going? No. Okay. So I'm just thinking of, you know, in this chapter when you know Nick actually goes over to meet Mm -hmm. Daisy and Tom, and her friend Jordan is there, Mm -hmm. or Miss Baker, as they're calling her, and it's really clear that even though she's roughly the same age as Daisy, she's not married. Mm-hmm. Um, they describe her as like basically like really athletic and suntanned. And, you know, she walked in a, they talk about how she walks and mm-hmm. it's almost like they're saying like either. So this is one of those things that people have firm opinions about. Are they trying to say that she's just an independent woman and she's, mm-hmm. you know, a fool for Daisy because she makes different decisions or are they trying to say she's a lesbian?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, you know, just these are these things that p- when people are talking about the book, they're going to focus on and you'll see mm-hmm. it continue through the book. People who and she also seems a lot happier and she seems a lot freer because she's not forced to be. Mm-hmm. She wasn't, you know, she's not forced to be married, although Daisy wants to hook her up with Nick. Um but she has a career she's out there as like a professional sportswoman, and she gets to talk back to people she talks back to tom when he gets sassy even in that mm-hmm. first his first conversations so it's just really interesting to see that um and think about think about how those different
0: cultural things come into play yeah i did see when i was talking about pride and prejudice i keep going back to that because i feel like i had a lot of good conversations during that but um we talked a little bit how people think Charlotte was supposed to be gay because she was like twenty-seven, unmarried. She didn't she married solely out of like the force of have to, and she can completely yeah. manipulate Collins however she would like to. And I saw this really cool argument where someone said, you know, maybe that Jane Austen didn't intend for her to be gay, but that she was she knew someone that was a lot like Charlotte in her life who happened to be gay without anybody actually knowing that. And she based Charlotte off of that, which I always think is a cool idea. And I've like, that's kind of stuck with me while I'm reading these. I was like, Oh, maybe this is based off someone that he had known who was gay. And then like, he wrote this unintentionally or maybe intentionally.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you read other books by F Scott Fitzgerald, he loves to write in this this time period, this kind of setting with this kind of mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot of those jazz age type stories. So you're going to see um, characters that are very like, not exactly like these characters, but mm-hmm. similar throughout pretty much all of his stories um, in some way. So you never know. I haven't done enough. um I haven't really done enough recent dive into Fitzgerald's you know reasoning behind what he wrote and whatnot but I do know that his wife Zelda was a huge inspiration for him I mean for for the all the parts of their marriage the good the bad the ugly so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these characters have um have inspiration from people that he really knew or thinks he really saw or things he hoped to know or see mm-hmm. so yeah. There's wild times in the jazz age. What can we say?
0: (laughs) True, true. Women are starting to gain independence, which is always a good thing that I love.
1: Yes, the skirts are getting short.
0: (laughs) We see ankles.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes, we definitely see ankles in the Great Gatsby, 100%. I would say we probably even see a knee or two.
0: (gasps) Shock me. I'm (laughs) shook. Shook (laughs) it. So... um, Tom we find out was a football player and he's super wealthy (laughs) and okay so I don't again I didn't know anything about Nick so he's describing Tom and he's pretty fit and I was like is the narrator checking him out or is he jealous I was trying to like figure out what's going on oh
1: that goes to another literary fan theory which is that Nick is um, a lot of people would say like definitely bisexual Mm -hmm. um, because he talks about his like really how he talks about his relationships um, with men and how he takes a lot of the men characters in and describes them. Um, They read that as as leading towards having interest in the male form. But Mm -hmm. also he talks about having um, interactions with women of a romantic nature. So a lot of people have. Um, they're in that camp as well with him as a as a narrator, but I think also he really Fitzgerald uses his gaze on Tom to really just show like what kind of dude he is, and then when you later see him describe other people, you'll see just how different he is so like they describe him like yes he is rich he's old money but also he's kind of like a brute he's kind of mm-hmm. big and like kind of scary and hulking like he looks like he could kick your ass can i say that on the podcast <laughs> That's why it's explicit so
0: you're free to say whatever <laughs>
1: he definitely looks like he would like if he was at a bar and someone pissed him off or like spilled his drink he would punch looks mm-hmm. like that um so he's not soft he's not um he's not just a sensitive, soft, rich kid. He's like, he's the kind of guy who you don't want to mess with. Um, yeah. At least basically that's what he looks like. Um, which I think then when he describes it himself or he describes some of the other people in the book, you're like, wow, Tom is definitely like an imposing figure. Yeah. And especially if you just suppose what, how Nick sees Daisy, mm-hmm. how his gaze on Daisy is versus what his gaze on Tom is, they're like polar opposite. Because mm-hmm. Tom is described as just, like, this dark, hulking, like, big, like, body figure. Like, you know, he, he was on the football field, you know, in college, running around, knocking guys around, you know, mm-hmm. known to be a roughhouser type. And then Daisy's described as, like, this tiny little thing that her voice, you can barely even hear when she says it. You have to wait until the words mm-hmm. cross by you in order to come back and understand what she said, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it really, I don't know, it just really puts them into juxtaposition the way that it's described, which I think if he was less interested in exactly how Tom looked, wouldn't come off quite as strongly.
0: <laughs> I know. I was just like, hmm. All right. Cool. Cool. We love that for you, Nick. I was like, he is kind of a married man, but like, if you know, if you want to go for it, like He's you awesome. do you.
1: Oh, absolutely. He also delves like three seconds later into basically how Thomas is horrible racist. Who's reading I know. I was ridiculous. like. <laughs> but OK, so I don't know if this is for the podcast or not, but remember when we were reading Scythe and mm-hmm. all of the Scythes were named after historical figures. Did you notice who the author that wrote this horrible treatise, what his name was? Goddard. Dun
0: dun dun.
1: So the worst scythe in scythe.
0: Okay, no one knows. My jaw is like dropped. (laughs) It is like unhinged at this point. My jaw is like
1: on 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 the microphone.
0: (laughs) How did no one like? Oh, I wrote the title. I don't think I wrote the name of the author for that book, but I was like, (laughs) okay, like yikes i didn't even catch that it's i'm glad you did but i only context
1: right like if you think about in another book this character who was like pure evil just horrible Mm. person when totally believed in the like in in the supremacy of a certain group of individuals and their their ability well their right to control everyone yeah. Uh, based on their birth and their, their assignment, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you read in this book that the person that, ins- that was ins- the inspiration for that person's chosen name <laughs> was a dude in real life who wrote this horrible treatise on how basically
0: anyone who isn't white is like mm-hmm. horrible. What? <laughs> My exact <laughs> note is he says that the white race is going to be submerged. And I was like,
1: (sighs) yeah. So now we have, so now that puts Tom in context, right? Because now we have this character who is a brute, is kind of like imposing as a figure, definitely looks like he can kick an ass. Oh, and also feels like it is his God-given right to be better than everyone else because he is white. Holy moly in a suitcase. And we're not even in like to page 20 yet.
0: Yeah, I was like, okay, at least they, like, laid it all out there right away. Like, Tom did not pull any punches about his personality. He's like, hey, I'm gigantic. Also, I'm a horrible, raging racist. And we're all like, okay, thank you for letting us know. Um, Now we can hate you from the get-go instead of, like, being uncertain for a couple chapters. And then you reveal. But, like, you know, go off, I guess.
1: And then we get three more pages and so we find out he's also a womanizer and mm-hmm. a serial cheater.
0: yeah yeah
1: with absolutely no shame in that because he doesn't hide it
0: at all also he's abusive
1: yeah like what a guy what a guy
0: i was like daisy honey how did we get here like did he not reveal at least the racism from the get-go like did you find out two months ago or like how are we here where what are the steps that led us down the yellow brick road. Okay. Like where, where are we going? What's happening? How do we get you out of this? Like, this is not a good look.
1: I feel like, and that's one of those exact examples of where modern sensibility would have helped the story because you know, you get the feeling like this was not a love match between the two of them, or if it was, it was a very shallow love match. It wasn't based mm-hmm. on a lot of knowledge about you know who each other was. Yeah, and um, certainly it feels like right from that point that this is not the kind of relationship that any kind of modern woman that I know um, would want to have anything to do with. Yeah, and also that I think most men or that have any kind of character or class would allow a man that they were friends with to parade around like this.
0: Yeah. Cuz it's so. very obvious of uh-huh. his. He doesn't even try and hide it. Like most abusive behavior, you know, you keep shut down and then your friends and family don't know. This man's like, "No, I abuse my wife." It's just, you know, Daisy's making jokes about it and I'm like,
1: ha, 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 "Uncomfortable." Uh-huh. Yeah, while people are just like there hanging out, he's He's like laughing about it and telling people about it and
0: mm-hmm. letting it be seen. It's just, ooh, ooh. yeah. She has like a giant bruise on her hand, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> as so as like basically outside of podcasting, I also arm wrestle. So like <laughs> as an arm wrestle, I know how hard it is to bruise your hand and to oh, see sure. it visibly. I'm like, so the amount of force that had to be applied for her to have a visible bruise on her hand, I'm like, <laughs> like. And so visible
1: that Nick notices it and thinks to note it in his his
0: intense description of his Mm -hmm. cousin
1: that he hasn't seen in, like, a really long time.
0: Yeah. I was like, Nick, get her out of there, please. Like, I kind of hope that, like, a poor unfortunate accident befalls tom and daisy can you know get out of there because apparently divorce doesn't exist (laughs) we'll see i'm just like oh if he happens to like go missing like i'm not going to say anything i will turn a blind eye
1: if there happens to be a wrestling accident that just (laughs) happens to have i mean who am i to
0: yeah. yeah if football somehow you know f- through a faulty helmet incident causes a concussion that causes a coma that then you know the the whatever life support needs to be pulled who am I what do I, I would not say anything I'll be <laughs> like I saw nothing
1: no 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 that all looks normal to me I think yeah. that's the feeling that a lot of people probably get when they first read this book I mean I'm sure Tom has fans I'm yeah. sure everyone like you know, everyone Yikes. knows someone who loves the villain. Um But I would, I would say that he from the get-go is definitely not, definitely not described in ways that would lead most people to be a Tom fan. I don't I think know. most people are rooting for Tom after they read chapter one for sure.
0: Tom um, feels like the guy that has a lifted truck and has a Confederate flag on the back of it.
1: One hundred percent. He also feels like the kind of guy who lives. In a really fancy like McMansion. That's mm-hmm. massive on a bunch of acreage. And has like an electrified fence. And mm-hmm. has a sign outside. That's like all trespassers will be shot. Without questions asked. <laughs> He's, yeah. like that kind of dude. Um, and he definitely has a ton of money. So he has the huge truck. But it doesn't really get dirty.
0: Yeah. Uh, somehow it's still continuously clean all the time. And he only uses it as a daily driver
1: absolutely absolutely um but it's like excessively massive just no reason for it to be massive at all um, and he probably also has like a lot of really not tasteful decor in his home that he bought because he thinks it's what you're supposed to do Um, and he probably loves to talk about how how we shouldn't have social services while at the same time, like never in his
0: entire life having to even work a real job.
1: Mm -hmm. That's the kind of guy he strikes me (laughs) as.
0: I also think he has deer heads, but he bought them. I don't think he hunted at all. That's what I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. No, no. Like why would he get dirty? Like he doesn't know how to do that, but he would sure talk talk about people who don't know how, Mm -hmm. or aren't able to do that for sure. Um, He, he seems like the kind of person who, who, yeah, who fits that description probably did play sports. Mm -hmm. um, But you know, because he, he thought that that's like what big dudes do and what he was told to do from his family. Um, But I just um, probably did go to college, but got you know middling grades mostly because he paid people to do his studying um and now he has degrees but he doesn't do anything with them he just manages the family's
0: you know the family's
1: affairs if Mm -hmm.
0: you will (laughs) that guy that shows up the first the for for the first time the day before the exam and it's like sits down next to you and goes hey i haven't seen you since the first class yep you have the study guide and you're like No, Brad, I don't have the study guide. Okay. Like,
1: yeah, he's the guy you get stuck with in the group project. And he's like, So, how much should I pay you when you just do the whole thing? So
0: or I ghost pay- you until the last day? And this is, Is there anything I can do? And you're like, We already turned it in, Brad, Chad,
1: mm-hmm. Tyler.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, it's done. Yeah. We did put your name on it. And he's like, Oh, thank you guys. I owe you so much. I'll help with the next one. And you're like, No, you won't, but it's fine.
1: Or, even better, he shows up and he does all that, and, like, he thinks that he's going to get away with it because he bought, he brought everyone, like, basic coffee. He's oh. like, but I bought everyone coffee, man.
0: But it's not even, like, Starbucks. <laughs> it's, like,
1: like... Like, on the way in, he just picked up some gas station coffee, and he's like, but I brought coffee.
0: What? It's either that, or it's the coffee shop that's right next to the library <laughs> that, like, at every, like you know library you've ever gone to there's like one like kind of shady coffee shop but it all it it makes a lot of money because college students are poor but it's like the coffee is a dollar Mm -hmm. and he didn't even like splurge for the big glass of coffee he got everyone like smalls
1: but like he wants a pat on the back because he Mm -hmm. brought them for you I mean he spent his money to bring you something
0: but also you
1: owe him because he can't be working on this project yeah he's oh, and they're girl.
0: all black they're all, oh, black yes, coffee. all black coffee yeah 100% <laughs> with like six creamers which is not nearly enough for the amount of people everyone gets like half a creamer you know
1: basically I think it's pretty clear that we all think that Tom is quite a winner
0: um I just love it more that we all know a Tom oh so for sure as for roasting him we have that envision like we're envisioning someone in our head that- and describing them perfectly
1: Like we all know that guy who has way too much money to even be sensible. And yet when he takes you out to dinner, he wants every single person to split the bill evenly, even though he drank like six cocktails. (laughs) And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that seems like Tom to me. We all know that guy who wants to tell those loud boisterous stories about that time he wrote something totally despicable and we're all just supposed to sit there and say (laughs) "Oh." I mean I think Tom's kind of a really great example of toxic masculinity absolutely I mean at its finest he is a great example of that Mm -hmm. um he thinks that he's I mean I don't I don't want to go too far but I feel like we're going to we'll have opportunities to talk more about Tom. So. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> a small Tom roast. And now we go it. <laughs> I got way more to roast Tom on when we get there. Oh, right? I, honestly, I'm ready. Like, I feel like I can just clip out for Patreon, like, an hour of us just describing Tom and it just getting progressively worse and worse and oh, worse. Oh, for sure.
1: And I have, like, uh, yeah, there's a couple chapters coming up where I've got quite a lot to say about Tom's toxic masculinity. <laughs> uh,
0: Perfect. So the man who peaked in high school. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Tom goes inside because the phone is ringing and after a bit Daisy like follows him in and now Miss Baker and Nick are just listening and I was like yeah I mean what else are you going to do? And Miss Baker tells Tom that he has a woman in New York. or t- Sorry, tells Nick that he has Tom has a woman in New York.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Nick's like what? It's like yeah. This is The first time in my idea of like Nick as a person that he's really being shown this kind of society where there are kind of all these well known secrets. Like, I feel like he's been around very honest people previous to this moment. And now he's like, oh, okay, what do I do with that? Like, am I supposed to tell Daisy? Does she know?
1: And it feels like it goes almost that version of Nick. I think is backed up by, you know, from the very first page where you had brought up before how his dad said, um, whenever you feel like criticizing anyone, just remember that all the people in this world haven't had the advantages that you've had. And it's like, well, that's a huge advantage that Nick has had is that he hasn't, it's, it's still shocking to him that people are that dishonest. Yeah. It's still shocking to him that somebody he loves or, you know, maybe he doesn't, he doesn't know her that way well yet, but like somebody who he would consider kin Mm-hmm. Is being treated that poorly, and it's yeah. just no. and That's still shocking, and that's a huge advantage that he has in life.
0: Yeah, I know. I was like, this warned me to Nick immediately as soon as we uh-huh. got to that part. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so Nick asks about Daisy' daughter, Daisy's daughter, which she doesn't really seem interested in. And like, now that I'm reading this back, I'm like, maybe she just, you know, kind of tore up because she just had to listen to Tom on the phone, probably with his mistress. But like. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like Daisy had a child mostly out of the fact that it was like, you have to have a kid
1: yeah. at this
0: point. Like, I don't think she doesn't seem like the kind of person to me that ever really would have wanted children, but she was like, you're required to have children. And she's like, fine, then I'll have a child.
1: That seems like the vibe, I think, it, yeah. unless somebody has another theory, which may be developed as the story goes on. But um, most people, I think, feel like that is the vibe. I mean, and that's not outside the realm of what you would expect from this time period Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or the ones previous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's what was kind of my guess. So then she says that when her daughter was born, she hoped that the baby would be a beautiful fool because Daisy's become cynical and Tom wasn't there when the baby was born. I was like, the (laughs) dirtbag. I know that that's like technically the time, like most fathers probably weren't there when the baby was born, but I was like, Mm, it's a no for me uh-huh. because
1: you're like the thing that's unsaid in that is that he wasn't there because he was out womanizing
0: yeah yeah um, i hate tom so much and,
1: and again we we aren't even to page 20 yet and already we are firmly anti-tom here I we know. are firmly in the no tom
0: camp yeah like i just you know those shirts where it's like team edward team jacob i just yes. want um team anyone else but tom 100% I'll wear it every day of my life
1: <laughs> I think you have that as a bestseller for a lot of people <laughs> although there might be someone listening right now I'm just like you know what actually Tom Buchanan is my favorite character ever you know written.
0: what if the you, you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> tweet at me I dare you like I'm only five chapters in but like you know what if Tom is your favorite try to defend him on Twitter to me and I'm going to roast you I don't <laughs> care like Tom is a terrible terrible individual. I have not seen a single redeeming quality yet.
1: I feel like the people who think Tom is awesome also love like Voldemort. Like they love a character that everyone else hates just because they want to hate. Or like, you know, Bellatrix Lestrange. Like they just want to hate. They just want to love the character that everyone else hates. And that's fine. That's valid. That's just
0: not me. (laughs) If you like Tom, you like Dolores Umbridge. And I'm leaving it at that. You know what? If you like Voldemort, fine. Fine. You know, I, I'm i going to question some things. Why do you like Nazis? But we'll, you know, we'll go past that. Lestrange? Okay. But if you like Tom, you like Dolores Umbridge. There's not a single redeeming quality about Dolores Umbridge, and I'm leaving it there. That is that is my stance.
1: Chapter closed.
0: Mic drop. That's dropped. it. Yep. Yeah. Tweet at me. Roast <laughs> me. I don't care. Like, that's where I'm standing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, anyways. um, We find out that Miss Baker is actually Jordan Baker. And she's going to a tournament tomorrow. tomorrow. Daisy jokingly says that she'll arrange a marriage between Jordan and Nick. And Jordan's like, "Mm, I hear nothing. Exactly. And Daisy says as they're walking Nick out that she heard he was engaged. But Nick says he's too poor to be engaged. And I was like Hmm. dot 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 yeah i was like all right nick that's just gonna sit on the back burner for now but i'm watching you yeah so nick goes home and sits outside for a bit and as he's out there he looks over and realizes that mr gatsby's outside as well and then he like looks away and looks back and then gatsby's gone and i was like is gatsby a phantom like is this (laughs) a figment of nick's imagination at this point
1: yeah, and like he sees him and he thinks he thinks to himself he is gonna say something, but then he realizes that Gatsby's you know person and the way he's standing, the way he's looking makes him think that he doesn't want to say anything at all. <laughs> it's I was like, random. Okay, Nick. <laughs> Sounds good. I didn't call to him for he gave a sudden in- in- intimation that he was content to be alone. Like, yeah, very, very interesting that that's his first interaction or his mm-hmm. first notice of Gatsby.
0: Yeah, and Gatsby's, like, probably just sitting there looking at the stars. He's like, hmm, cool, and then walks inside, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Jessica. Where oh. you, What do you want to share? What do you want to talk about? Because you're not a podcaster, but, like, if you want to share anything, here's the time. If you want people on the internet to find you, what do you want to promote? I don't know.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks, Rachel. I have absolutely loved talking to you about the Great Gatsby and just talking to you in general about literature. Um, I don't have a podcast. I'm not really um, out there doing social media for anything else, but I will say that what I always want to encourage people to do is to support their local library. Um, If you have any interest in literacy at all, support your local public library. Also, If you are involved in any way in academics, definitely support your academic library. And if you're interested in research, reach out to librarians because we love helping people. That's what we wait around to do all day long. A lot of people think that all I do as a librarian is read all day and it cannot be farther from the truth. (laughs) Um, So as librarians, it is our greatest pleasure to help you with your information literacy. So if you have questions, please always look for us, search us out. Um, come get some credible sources from us and we're, we're there for you. That's what we do. So
0: that's, I will say from student perspective, I literally asked a librarian once one question to help me. She pulled up like 20 different research papers and like what would have taken me like six hours to probably find them in like 30 minutes. And she goes, here you go. And I was like, you're a hero. You're a saint. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you. So ask your librarian
1: for sure and you know a lot of people have an idea that librarians are what they've seen which was actually informed from stories as old as the great Gatsby of like they're gonna shush you they're mean old ladies with warts on their noses and sensible shoes and buns and it could not be farther from the truth um librarians are cool they're they're on the cutting edge of technology um they we don't shush anyone anymore (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I've never shushed anyone in my life in fact I've been shushed many times by other people like <laughs> patrons in the library because I was too animated when I was talking um but you know we we really we want to meet people where they are and we want to help people and that's that's what gives us joy so um I I always want people to try to feel like they can get rid of that preconceived notion that um, librarians are scary or that their questions are not worthy of you know asking librarian like a lot of people will come to me and they'll say oh I didn't want to I'm scared to ask because I know my question is stupid and that is the furthest thing that from the truth of how what any librarian would think about your question um, like we love helping people we love exploring things and you might think your question is stupid or basic but the librarian probably thinks that there's a lot to explore and probably thinks that there's a lot they'd love to help you delve into with that with that knowledge search. So just shout out to librarians. We're really important. we're important even in a world where um, a lot of our information is digital and we are experts in finding you experts and helping you find credible sources. So if you care about um, if you care about being someone who is out there in the world sharing credible, reliable, trustworthy information, then find librarians and ask us so that we can help provide that information to
0: you. Yeah, Honestly, well said. Couldn't (laughs) have said (laughs) anything. We love libraries in this house. This podcast runs off libraries because I rent audiobooks from Libby all the time.
1: Absolutely. You know, and that's something a lot of people don't think about is just And even, you know, obviously, we know that you can get physical books at the public library, but you can get so many electronic books now, which is amazing. And of course, from your academic library, just so many resources. And we have so much ability to provide those resources for you and to help you find it. And you don't have to, you don't have to be alone in trying to sort through those things. We are here for you. That's what we do. Um, And so, You know, regardless of what kind of library you find yourself able to be involved in, you know, talk to people. Also, realize that any place you see information, there are librarians there. So, like, there are librarians who work for major corporations. There are librarians who work for museums and, um, you know, archives and corporations and the government and the military. Like everywhere, there are librarians. The hospitals and all those librarians have different. Um, expertise in different subject areas they can help you with. So wherever you are in your life, if there is something that you need more information about, regardless of what the topic is, there's a librarian out there who's gonna, who is like, doesn't even know that they're waiting to want to help you. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to be alone to ask to find that information and you, you can ask people for help and there will be someone out there to help you. Um, and if you don't know who to contact, start with what the librarian you do know and go from there because librarians love talking about librarianship. We love talking to each other about librarianship. Um, we love learning about who the other experts in other areas are about librarianship. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a community. So I love librarians. I love libraries. Uh, I love information literacy. So, so I can, that's what I can say.
0: Yeah. So support your local library. Me and Jessica will catch you on the next episode of The Great Gatsby. And thank you so much for joining me and we will catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Great Gatsby. Next week, we'll be continuing on with even more Great Gatsby, um, more fun conversations about The Great Gatsby, and all that good stuff. So, if you didn't hear it in the intro, we do have um, monthly exclusive episodes for Patreon members, so if you haven't joined us over on Patreon, um, please, if you want more episodes, uh, please consider doing so. Every- f- the beginning- Sorry. First Friday of every month we have an exclusive episode. So, where there's this month, next month, we'll make three exclusive episodes. So that's fun. If that's something that you're into. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of all I got for you guys this week. I hope you all enjoy these episodes and I can't wait to catch you guys in the next one. Uh, our logo was designed by my sibling Sarah. Our Theme song is by Raphael Crux on freepd.com and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye!